0: Hey, good afternoon. Welcome in. Gabe D'Armond here with powermazoo.com on the 573 Report. It's our weekly Wednesday chat about what's going on in Mizzou sports. We'll bring Mitchell Forty in here in just a minute. But before we do that, want to remind you that this is brought to you every single week by 573 Tees. Uh Local business here in downtown Columbia doing all sorts of good work. Um, they report boosts in their business every week we do this show, so that's good. Uh, they're doing a lot of NIL stuff for different Missouri athletes. They can make a custom shirt. Um, they still are selling shirts that say, I'm sad on them. If you are sad about Missouri football, uh, if you are preparing to be sad about Missouri basketball, Anything you want to be sad about, you can get a black and gold I'm sad t-shirt. I know that uh, 573Ts and Mickey hope that maybe they get to make an I'm happy t-shirt at some point in the future. Uh, Maybe Missouri will give them a reason to do that. You can visit them. The physical location is in Alley A between 9th and 10th Streets in downtown Columbia, just off Broadway. The virtual location is 573TEES.com. You can check them out there. And uh, now we will bring Mitchell into the show. Um, I don't know, happy or sad, Mitch? Where are we at Wednesday afternoon?
1: Yeah, pretty indifferent. Just um, I'm here. You know. Yeah. yeah, I'm here. I, I think, unfortunately, the "I'm sad" shirt is is fairly evergreen for Mizzou fans. That yeah. one could could get a lot of
0: use. That that one was actually produced in 1987 and has just been resold um in like 92 percent of the years since. But um, hey, it's actually good news. It's the bye week. Everything's fixed. Uh, it's perfect. Bye week came at a perfect time. Uh, figured out all the problems. Ready to go. And uh, like, I do want to say that we were legitimately walking out of the press conference with Steve Wilkes yesterday. And I don't remember my exact words, but I more or less said, Oh, they're going to be really pissed off about what he just said. And then you wrote it and they're really pissed off about what he just said.
1: Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I almost felt bad that that was the story there was to write. (laughs) Like I like, because you know, the coach, talking about his team after a bye week is going to say the same thing no matter what really no, even no matter what the record is, it's just like, yeah, we went back to the fundamentals. We, we did this, this, and this, no drastic, you know, scheme changes, but just trying to shore that stuff up, you know, acted like it was training camp again, like every coach no matter what is going to say that. And when your team is losing, the fans will get mad about it. And when they're winning, they'll say, Oh, that's genius. And <laughs> right. Like I get it. And I really don't think there should be any stock put in it, but at the same time we had to write something. Like, I mean, we really, there weren't a lot of other options, so kind of had to, uh, present that as you know the news of the day so yeah I just kind of uh I don't know I mean I, I know no one cares about the ins and outs of, of our jobs and stuff like that but it's just a, kind of another example of like where you feel like man like if you would give me like a nice little uh feature story about some walk-on or freshman or whatever right I would I would be happy to do it I don't think there's any stock to be put in this but instead I guess we'll just make everyone mad
0: well and it is like it sounds ridiculous right this is our jobs literally to cover yeah. these press conferences and write about them and we are at the same, t- same time telling people, like, don't put any stock in what they say. You know, <laughs> I mean. So I get why that sounds hypocritical and stupid, but the the defensive coordinator of the 129th ranked defense in America can legitimately say nothing that will make fans happy, other than. Right. I hate all the players who are playing for me, and they are bad. And in the last 12 days, we have found brand new players that will start playing for us. This is unrealistic. This is not happening. So, right, there's nothing. Yeah, not. I mean, Steve Wilkes can't say it. The only thing Steve Wilkes can do is go out Saturday and shut out a terrible Vanderbilt team. And even that doesn't really shut anybody up because that also doesn't matter. That's just what they should do. It's better right. than what they've done when when they've had similar opportunities in the past, but all he can do is go out and start having a defense that plays better. Nothing he says matters at all.
1: Right. And I want to be clear. Like I'm not saying that anything he said should make anyone feel better. I just do. I did get a little mystified by the amount of anger that it it engendered because it's It's like, I mean, you know, yeah no he was gonna say the same thing no matter what right. but yeah I mean like I get the criticism for Wilkes I'm not trying to defend him by any means his unit needs to play better
0: yeah um Matt Anderson is here wanting to know if we have any t-shirt trivia I did think about it I've got a trivia question I'll ask you later in the show um hey, we've got I've got some powermazoo.com t-shirts from five seven three Ts here to give away so we'll make that kind of a weekly thing here um I've actually written the answer to my trivia question before so I guess, really more than a trivia question. It's just going to be, hey, do you actually read what I write and remember it, or do you just kind of <laughs> listen to me on YouTube? Um, so we will get to that. Uh, but let's – I don't want to spend a ton of time on Vanderbilt. I was asked for a prediction. I said I think it'll be 10 nothing Missouri when the vast majority of people flip over to Florida, Georgia, and forget this game ever existed. Um, you know, but I, this game to me is – I, there's almost no upside. I mean, if they win, hey, good for you, but this is a game you cannot lose. Somebody asked in my mailbag, is this the biggest game of Drinkwitz's career? And I basically said only if he loses it. I mean, mm-hmm. in that case, yeah, it becomes pretty big, but this is a game, I don't care if it's 3 to nothing or 97-6. to six. Like, you just got to win this game because losing to Vanderbilt would take this from, like oh, man, this season kind of sucks, to, oh, man, like there's way bigger problems here than just being three and five.
1: For sure, yeah. No, I mean, at that point, you're definitely thinking there's – I mean, what team left on the schedule could you beat? And so you're thinking about going a whole season without winning a Power Five game, which would be a a bit of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) I agree. It's – You know, yeah, it'd be a huge it'd be a huge issue if Missouri lost. But yeah, the upside isn't really there. Like, it's not a big game for Drinkwitz if he
0: wins. No one's saying, oh, well, he
1: won that one. This thing's back on the right track. You're supposed to be Vanderbilt. I mean, they're they're bottom 30 nationally in like every major statistical category. They're terrible.
0: I mean, is this a better team than North Texas? I think it's probably comparable. Yeah, and and nothing was solved by beating North Texas. Now, I will say this: Missouri gives up 35 points in this one, like they did to North Texas. Like, I will kill them in my (laughs) post-game column. Like, I I just will. I don't care if they score 80. If they give up 35 to this team, my favorite thing, speaking of things that Steve Wilkes said that don't mean anything, is yesterday he did say that Vanderbilt has, I believe the words was, dynamic running backs. (laughs) Literally no one knows who their running back is. Like, I don't know that they have one
1: yeah they're horrible at running the ball so that that yeah this is kind of the true test of like the stoppable force versus the movable object right. <laughs> which one will give way like yeah Vanderbilt's been terrible at running the ball I believe they this backup quarterback who came in and yeah. you know has played a few games has like 140 something rushing yards on the season it's like their third leading rusher I don't think they have anyone with over well, 300 because
0: I think their starting running back to start the season has been hurt like he's not there anymore yeah.
1: I admit I, I've not followed the saga at all. I just glanced at their stats and they did not have anyone who seemed to have much success running the ball. And then statistically as a team, their rushing offense it is I believe bottom 10 in the country. So yeah, yeah I mean, you know, like, as, yeah, stoppable force versus movable object. We'll see. Uh, certainly. Yeah. If there's, you know, if Vanderbilt's running for 300 yards and putting up 30 plus points, then, then the issues are even more significant than we previously realized.
0: Uh, yeah. and, uh- Look, I, I said this on the the message board today. Like, I know everybody just wants to find one thing. Is it the talent? Yes. Is it the scheme? Yes. Is it the motivation? Yes. Is it the effort? Yes. Whatever you can find, that is part of it in this. And that needs yeah, to be Yeah, I fixed. agree.
1: Ian. And, and sometimes I think, too... Uh, I will say, like, you know, it, it, I think it is all of those things. Sometimes just fixing one or two of those things will help the rest. Like, you know, you're talking about buy-in and effort. Like, that stuff just is automatically better when you're not last in the country. <laughs> like, when you don't have to go out there and just get pushed out of the way every single play. You know, so mm-hmm. maybe you bring in some more talent. Maybe that stuff starts to fix itself. And also, you obviously have the the dynamic in this situation of, you know, a coach bringing in more guys that he recruited, which, which right. could help that too. But yeah, no, I agree. It's not just you know, Barry Odom left the team with not good enough talent. It's not just Steve Wilkes is an idiot and doesn't know what he's doing and players don't know where to go. It's not just like the players hate the coaches. I like There's just, there's, there's too many issues for it to be just one of those little things. And, and that's kind of what Steve Wilkes touched on yesterday is like, look, you know, yeah, maybe we simplified the scheme a little bit, but like no matter what the scheme is, no matter who we put out there, like guys got to get off blocks, guys right? Make it, tackles. You can't get out of your gap. So like, and you know, the, the the question is, does Missouri there, have anyone capable of doing that?
0: There has literally never been a scheme in the history of football that has called for the front four to get shoved three yards away from its spot. <laughs> Zero schemes have ever called for that despite the fact that if you watch football in the state of Missouri, you might think there are at least two schemes that call for that this um, issue. It's a new strategy. Yeah, it's, it's not working well. It's it's a strategy straight to three and four and losing to every good team you play. Uh, so we've got some questions. I appreciate that. We're going to get to those. Uh, I know there's a basketball question in here, too. We're going to kind of do basketball on the back half of this show. But Colby wants to know if they lose Saturday, does Wilkes get left in Nashville? And, and look, in all seriousness – if I'm handicapping this, I think there is a better chance Steve Wilkes is the defensive coordinator next year than there is that he's not the defensive coordinator against Arkansas. In other words, yeah, it's I, more likely he comes back next year than that he's fired before the end of this one.
1: I agree. I, I don't see any reason you fire him before the end of this season. Like, like They I got mean, through the bye, and that was right. the point, like we said, where if you were going to do it, you do it then. Because firing, like as bad as the defense may be at any point during this um, you know, like it, you're not gonna I mean, fix anything by firing what, Steve Wilkes. What Charlie could Harbison you see?
0: Time. What could you see between now and the end of the season that would convince you? Well, I thought he was the guy when we were giving up 299 a game, but now that it's up to 302, that's just not gonna. Work. I mean, there's nothing that can happen between now and then, short of him like. Getting in a fight with a player, which, believe it or not, has happened at Missouri before.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that has. But, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, there's just no reason for it. Like, Charlie Harbison is not going to provide the magic juice that all of a sudden, you know, turns the defense around. Or is the difference between winning and losing a game with this unit. Um, So, yeah, I don't think it – I would be pretty stunned if it happened before the end of the season. Unless, like you mentioned, like something really boiled over and (laughs) resulted in physical confrontation or something like that. Um, you know, as for next season, I, I think, I mean, I think it's pretty clearly just like he's got five games to show improvement and show that, you know, yeah, maybe the the players didn't grasp the scheme right away. Maybe there was, it was too big of an adjustment. Maybe he needs better talent, but he could get it figured out. And, uh, I think, I think his fate is very much up in the air at this point.
0: Uh, Brett wants to know, do you think the fact they're losing this season is the reason for reported locker room issues? Nobody seemed to have a problem with Drinkwitz last year and. <laughs> Like this always is the unanswerable question. Does losing cause chemistry issues or do chemistry issues cause losing? I tend to usually think it's more of the former. Like I mean, there have been a lot of good teams where dudes didn't like each other, right? Um it happens all the time. But as long as you're winning, everybody puts up with each other and it's fine. Um and look, we don't know really that there are major locker room issues. I think it's fair to say there's some discord on this team. I mean, guys are leaving midseason, and, and there's a lot of whispers and this and that. It's year two. That's going to happen sometimes. But yeah, if Missouri was 6-1 and one right now, we wouldn't... I mean, there might still be some transfers of guys who aren't playing, but there wouldn't be any whispers of, of locker room issues.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, you know, you you can have some chemistry issues or whatever, and if guys see, like, oh, we can work with each other on the field and we can be a good team if I put up with this person, like, I think it's pretty easy to do because you all want the same thing. You know, you you have the unifying factor if we want to win. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think that usually it's when – when the the losses start to come and people maybe you know kind of want someone to blame or, or something like that that the the talk of uh locker room issues start to crop up
0: all right we got a couple quarterback questions we'll get to basketball on the back half here michael says how long will drink keep Basilekins the starting quarterback I think if he struggles in Saturday's game he needs to make a substitute and before we answer this I want to say and I think mitch you said the same thing I'd have pulled him against am I would absolutely have given somebody else a shot in that game. Um, I thought the most interesting thing said yesterday, and and I think Eli Drinkwitz is smart enough that he doesn't just say things for no reason. The most interesting thing said was when he said, hey, Connor's our guy and we have faith in him and I think he's going to fix everything that's going wrong. But we know there's competition. He's never said that before, and I don't think he said it yesterday on an accident.
1: A hundred percent, and even in the context in which it was said, it, it seemed like it just like felt he wasn't really asked deliberate. about it. Right. So yeah, it, yeah, I I completely agree, and I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Um, that, and we are talking to Connor like this afternoon, by the way. I'll probably have a story on him tomorrow morning, but yeah, um, you know, I I think that he's. He's obviously given him a long leash to this point. And I think I do, I really do think he's, you know, the, the coaches believe at least that he's the quarterback that gives this team the best chance to win. I don't think there's any conspiracy about like not wanting to name the number two guy or saving a red shirt or anything like that. I think the staff believes he's the best guy. I would have pulled him against Texas A&M. I, I can sort of understand the argument for not, but yeah, if he continues to struggle. Yeah. I think that we'll see someone else out there. I mean, like, you know, I, I think the coaching staff knows, like, if this Vanderbilt team's terrible. They're not going to say that, obviously, because you can't say that. But, like, you can't lose this game. If things yeah. are starting to go south, I think that they will try everything in their power to not lose it this game.
0: Is another kind of interesting thing, I thought. um, And and I, like, there have been mixed messages, right? Uh, I mean, Drinkwood said on a commercial at Tiger Talk or something that, like, Basilak was was banged up. And then he was asked after the a game, no, Bazelak's fine. Earlier this season, said Bazelak's got to cut out the crap of being hurt after plays. You know, I mean, that's a direct quote. I didn't make that up. But I thought it was interesting yesterday when I asked, you know, if the bye did him good. And Drinkwitz basically said, look, you got to be tough if you're going to play quarterback. Like, is there something there that he doesn't think his quarterback's very tough? I don't know. I mean, that would surprise me. I think surprising. maybe there is.
1: I think Basilek is actually pretty tough. I think he's, you know, I think he's played through some pretty big hits in his career, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, clearly, I think, I think probably Basilek is banged up, and I think the Drinkwitz just doesn't want to give him the excuse. I think he wants to, wants to be like, if you're healthy enough to play, we expect you to play at your best. I don't know what the reasoning behind that is. I, I don't know, but I mean, like, cl- I, I think pretty clearly he's not at 100%. Right, and you there's know,
0: a there's I, a difference between healthy enough to be our best option and healthy enough to expect you to be really good. I mean, I right. I know this is before your time, but I, 2009, I guess it was, Blaine Gabbert got rolled up by uh, in Damican Sue. And he was never he clearly should not have been on the field. But the backup was a walk-on named Jimmy Costello. So, Blaine Gabbert on one leg was a better quarterback than Missouri had. So, he continued to play. and But Gary Pinkle wasn't questioning his toughness or saying, you know, he's fine. I mean, everybody knew Blaine was banged up and he was doing what he could on one leg. But he was still the best quarterback. He One-legged Blaine Gabbert was better than two-legged backup, basically. So, there can be some wiggle room between... Yeah, he's our best option, but also, like, and I'm not saying Drinkwits is endangering Basilek's health. I don't think he would do that. It's just, hey, you at 75% is better than the next guy at 100, so we're putting you out there. But some of the things he says make me think, like, maybe being a little unfair to the kid if he really is hurt.
1: Yeah, it's a curious situation for sure because it, it would it would seem like especially kind of knowing Drinkwitz and how he operates like and this this is going to sound worse than I mean it to but like he's not above like making excuses and that, and that's not he's never no gonna make excuses for a loss but he's right. he's going to say like, "Yeah, you know guys, look, we're in year 2 of the program. We don't expect to necessarily compete with Georgia and Florida, you know. Yeah, going into the situation temper expectations. Yeah, we've we've played with some guys who are banged up. He's honest about those type mm-hmm. of things. That's again, that's not a bad thing. I appreciate it every time coaches are honest." but he's not done that with Basilac which is interesting and i don't know the answer i i just i kind of can't leap to the point of like he's questioning his toughness like i, I really feel like they must have a good relationship because Derek keeps rolling him out there and you know they they seem to like each other i mean like you know in every interaction i've seen of them it seemed very positive but yeah it's definitely weird there's definitely something that doesn't quite add up
0: yeah uh no question uh, another uh another quarterback question and this is uh, Case says, if you had to handicap the starting quarterback next year, what does it look like? He says, Basilak minus 150, Macon plus 150, Horn plus 300, and Cook plus 500. I think that's relatively fair. I think I would put Macon and Horn like on the same level. I- I'm not a super gambler and know what, a- a, you know, plus 150, plus 300. I don't care. I think I would put Macon and Horn even at number two and Basilak as, as probably the favorite.
1: Yeah. You said the exact same thing I was going to, which is boring. Um, but yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to say as well. I think that I, I I mean like no knock on Brady cook. I, I, I feel like he's shown some decent stuff when he's been out there, but like you just—it's hard to imagine him sticking around with Macon having been brought in, Horn being brought in, and him not getting out on the field this year. It's just right. like—it's just the nature of that position. I would just be surprised, unless unless he really feels like, and the staff tells him, like, "Hey, we really think you could be our guy next year." Right. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't see it. So yeah, I would. I would in in which case, fairly, maybe
0: Tyler Macon's not here, right? Right. I, yes, I think exactly. one of yeah, those guys leaves.
1: Exactly. I don't think all four will be here, but yeah, I would put Basilek as the probably a more significant favorite than that, and Macon and Horn tied as as the second favorite.
0: All right, so we agree. And then Tommy Locke
1: plus 10 million.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Where's Jack Samson fall in that? Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't. He might not. He may be done. He feels like he's been here for a while. I think you know Tommy Locke. Just in case everyone else is like in in one place and gets hit by a meteor, and then get okay. him to go up there.
0: Okay. And and none of the running backs can play wild Wildcat. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, sure. Um. All right. So, uh, we will move on and and talk a little basketball here in a minute. But I uh, want to remind you again, this is brought to you by five seven three T's five seven three T E E S dot com. They have a Power Mizzou collection that they've made for us. Um. I have some of them over to my right. I can't show them to you right now, but if you go online at 573 tscom slash collections slash Power Mizzou, you can see them, and we're going to try to give one of them away right now. Again, I have actually written the answer to this question. So um, whoever answers in the comments first is going to win a Power Mizzou t-shirt. All you've got to do is email me at powermizzou at gmail.com when you're done, say hey, I won the T-shirt, here's my shirt size, here's the color shirt I want, black, white, or gold, and here's my address. Um, So here's the question. Missouri currently giving up 299.5 yards rushing. As far back as I went, it's the second worst run defense I can find in the history of Missouri football. What year did Missouri actually give up more rushing yards per game uh, than 299? Uh, There's only one. I know what year it is. Um, you can post the answer in the comments. The first person to guess the right year, like if you Google it, I don't really care. If you just start listing off every year Missouri played football, starting with 1890 and then post every one, I don't really care. I'll tell you it's going to take you a while to get to the right answer. If you do that, you'd probably be better off starting from 2021 and going backwards. Um, so there's your hint. First person to post the uh, post the right answer of the most the worst run defense in Missouri football history. Um, is going to get a free powermazoo.com t-shirt. So, going to talk a little bit basketball. And, uh, look, continuing with the glass half full uh, questions, case says, are there any reasons to hope for basketball? Any. Um, I mean, there are probably some, right? Yeah, I mean
1: like, you know, it's it's a new team. So we don't know yet like, you know, what I mean, we don't really know yet what they're going to look like, what all these players are going to do. So yeah, there's some uncertainty and that means room for hope, right? I think right. by by necessity. Um I, I mean, I don't I don't know. And, and I don't, I also don't think this team's going to be terrible. Like there's reason to hope they could win a few games. They could, you know, Maybe, who knows? Maybe they could beat Kansas if they have a good game on the right day. I wouldn't bet on it, but like it could happen. But that's probably more likely than saying, yeah, here's a reason that I think they're going to make a run in the tournament. I just, you know, I can't go that far yet. Just like I can't, you know, I'm not going to say I have any reason to think that, you know, that they're going to be terrible. Like, I just don't, I haven't seen anything that leads me to believe they're going to be good. Um, And I do think the, you know, the schedule's pretty tough. I, I, I would be surprised they, if they're too far
0: above 500. They could be almost as good. They could be similarly good to last year and be a 500 team with this. Mm. I, I mean, this schedule is crazy difficult uh, in the non-conference. I mean, they're playing Kansas, Illinois, Kentucky, all the way from home in like two weeks. Wichita State's like probably on the easier half of the Mm non-conference schedule. Utah finally comes here, um, returning a a game that uh, I believe Keith Van Horn and Derek Chivas faced off in the first game of that series. So uh, I don't think Utah's great, but that's one of the easier games. I mean, they've got some really difficult – even like their potential uh, game in in the tournament, they play like – potentially SMU or Loyola Marymount. Those aren't cakewalks. By the way, we have no correct answers so far in our uh, trivia contest, but I do respect the Magic Man uh, nominating the 1876 Missouri <laughs> team as the worst-run defense in, in school history. We we now actually finally just got the correct answer. Garrett Dollins comes up with uh, 1991. Bob Stoll's team gave up 336 yards a game. Garrett, I respect you for either having a Google machine or for having read something I wrote a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I think Garrett, you
1: actually mentioned it on one of these shows, too. That may be possible. Yeah, so,
0: Garrett is sure. the winner. So, uh, Garrett, shoot me an email. PowerMizzou at Gmail with your address, your uh, shirt size, and, and what color shirt you want, and we'll get you one out. Um, but back to basketball, I mean – I just don't really see a scenario. This is this is such a weird place for Missouri basketball fans. Starting the season going, hey, I think a good year would be being a few games over 500 and maybe being in bubble talk, right? I mean, nobody wants to start the year that way, but that's kind of where this team is at. And I do understand the cynical fans that go, but... Hang on, man. This is year five. Why are we doing this with nine new players and talking about, hey, maybe next year? But I really do view this as a this is a bridge to next year. And what you have to see out of this year is enough of these guys show enough to say, hey, coming from, you know, Green Bay or kind of a K State cast off or coming from Ball State, like these guys can be good enough to give us hope that in year two we're a tournament team that can do something.
1: Yeah. So a few things like, first of all, yeah. Like you, you don't want to have, you know, every two or three years, one of these bridge years where it's like, all right, this isn't our year. Maybe, maybe next year, like with an established program, that shouldn't happen. But, you know, at this point, given what, what Martin took over and given what he did his first four years, I I, I think, you know, obviously neither of us are saying he's on the hot seat or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, you, you don't want these to be the norm, but they do happen. Like programs have, you know, a, a time where they have to kind of build to the next year, bring in a bunch of new guys. Also, I will say the one plus of having a really hard schedule is like, you know, one or two plays go, go the right way. And yeah. you win you win a few close games, all of a sudden, like, you know, if you have the strength of schedule that it look like, looks like Missouri is going to have, you could, you know, you could, you don't have to win 19, 20 games to be on the bubble. You could mm-hmm. probably, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I always, I, I mean, never, you probably got, exactly
0: got to win 18 or 19, 19 because they play yeah. so many, but.
1: Yeah, right. Right. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you could if you win the right games at the right time and a lot of so many, you know, we always talk about college sports. So many of these things come down to one or two plays here or there. If it breaks right for you, it could happen. This was a team that was really good in close games for a long time last year. Who knows? They could that could that could carry on carry on. So, yeah, like, I don't want to try to say there's no hope. Obviously, we'll see how the, the season plays out. Um, you know, I, I just think that I, I don't, I, I guess I just don't, I don't see the, the offensive upside. Um, like, I, I still don't think this team's going to be able to shoot. Like, I could yeah. be wrong. It's all new personnel, but that's been an issue. I just don't know that I see the, the athleticism to hang in there against some of these teams in the SEC. We'll see. Obviously, I've seen about four minutes of one practice, so I don't really know what I'm talking I, about.
0: I but. thought they looked, um, Pretty good watching, sitting in their chairs watching film from across the court. In those ten minutes, I saw, um, I, I would say Amari Davis, elite film watcher. Um, you know Javon Pickett, exemplary um, posture, sitting in that chair. I I really liked what I saw there. So, uh, and Colby wants to know. We'll kind of finish up here, and I answered this in my mailbag a little bit. So I'll let you go first, Mitch. Uh, who would you say is the starting five for Game One?
1: All right, let's see. I'm not going to go in order of one through five because I, I, no. I'm i going to go in order of what we're, I think is like. We're, we're, position, sense,
0: we're positionless here, Mitch.
1: Yeah. Right, exactly. Positions. And I could because I'm saying Kobe Brown first, and Conzo did say he's going to play some point guard, which that's going to be an offseason Starting narrative point. that he's now going to get asked about constantly. And, like, it's it's going to happen, like, Three times in three half court possessions all year. I'm just telling you right now, it, it'll happen more than that, but not much. It's not gonna be him being the primary ball hander. But Kobe Brown is gonna start, I think. I'm pretty sure that Boogie Coleman is gonna start. Yes. Uh Amari Davis is gonna start, I think. Um I'm I'm torn between Pickett and Deshawn Gordon. Like I think they'll both play a lot. I'll give the nod to Pickett to start, but maybe Konzo says, hey, he's a guy who's been here forever. He knows how to be a six-man. He'll be fine with it. One of those guys is going to start, and one of them is going to be you know, the first one off the bench. And then I'm going to say – I don't know. This is tough. I, I kind of have to give you two guys at this spot again down low. I'll say Ronnie DeGray starts uh, down low. I think Yaya Kita will play a good amount um, with him. I think Anton Brookshire is probably number eight. And then I think you know maybe you see Trevon Brazil get some time and Jordan Wilmore get some time based on the matchups and then other than that probably a little a little less.
0: Okay, so we mostly agree. I've got Kobe starting. I've got uh, I've got Pickett starting. I'd I'd just be yep. shocked, especially game one if he doesn't. Um, I have uh, I have Desjuan Gordon starting. I think he starts. Then I think I, I'm missing somebody. I, I can't figure out. Oh, Coleman's starting. Coleman, Coleman's yeah. starting. So that's four. Then mm-hmm. to me, it comes down to my fifth starter is between Davis, DeGray, and Kata just kind of it depends on the matchup. I, I don't right. know who will will be the. But I, I, I think DeJuan Gordon is a starter for this team, which is where I, I, I think he and Pickett both start. Uh, That's where we might disagree. I see Amari Davis is like that six-man off the bench. Um, Who knows? I don't know that it matters. They'll play. Anton Berkshire will play. Ronnie DeGray will play.
1: Right. All those guys we mentioned are going to play. And it might just depend on, and they might say to have the same starters every night, but who plays more depends on the matchup, or they might adjust the starters by the matchup. But like, if we're talking about which guys are going to play the most, I do think this is actually a team where you're going to see it vary day to day based on who they're
0: playing against. The over under on number of times Conzo Martin is asked for his starting five between now and November 9th is five and a half. The over under on the number of times he says it don't matter who starts, it matter who finishes, is five and a half. So, you know, um, that's, that's where we'll stay. Um, all right. So, Hey, we got some football interviews coming up in, in like 45 minutes. So, uh, Mitch, we're going to let you run. I know that you are, uh, anxiously awaiting Chad Bailey and Connor Woods answers to all of your inquisit, uh, inquisitions this afternoon. So we'll let you go do it.
1: I'll ask. Uh, I'll be sure to ask the questions you all want, namely, how do you be better?
0: Right. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, Mitch. We'll we'll see in a little bit. Um, Mitchell Forty and uh, he's headed over to football interviews. I'm going to join him here at 4:30. We get some of the uh, offensive players, and and we get Chad Bailey this afternoon. So we'll have some stuff from there for you guys uh, tonight and tomorrow morning. Um, appreciate you guys joining us here on Wednesday afternoon. Garrett Dollins, the winner of the T-shirt this week. Shoot me an email. We'll get you taken care of. Uh, Come back next week. You can be the winner of a T-shirt on the 573 Report. Brought to you by 573 Tees, downtown Columbia between 9th and 10th Street and Alley A, online at 573 teescom Check them out. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow previewing Vanderbilt. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you later.